Next up, WTF. P&G wants to own the acronyms LOL, NSFW, and more. And McDonald's wants to get in touch with its inner bean scheme. Consumers want brands to take sides on national issues. And Mattel aims to close the dream gap for girls. And it all starts right here, right now, on a whole new season of the one show where everybody's name is Rick. And everybody rules the world. Hey, wow. Season two, episode one. This Dang, is- I can't I can't believe it's been a year. This yeah. is this is legitimately I mean it feels like we do these all the time, but it legitimately has gone fast. Yeah, it's just amazing. I uh, I just finished up what has become part one of the two part season one finale. And it was, for me, it was a trip down memory lane. In fact, I, uh, toward the end, I included a little segment of just random clips from the show. And I was literally laughing out loud. I mean, it was that much fun. So if you are a fan of Rick and Rick, you definitely want to download that episode the next time you need a hit of awesome because you're going to have a good time. That's cool. You know, after one of our shows recently where neither one of us could remember something, we kept like, oh, my God, what is it? What is it? I got to search it. You know, da, da, da. it reminded me of a, of a experience I had in college where uh, my my a good friend of mine and I were taking our class together and we had been cramming and cramming and cramming and trying to get this huge project done. And he was, he was over at my house. We're working on it. It was three, four, five in the morning, whatever it was. And he needed to go home to get a couple hours sleep. And we had to then go in and turn in our final project. And so he got to the door and, you know, we were trying to make plans for, okay, what are we going to do tomorrow? How do we get this last tiny bit finished up and then, you know, take it to the teacher. And so he started to say, you know, well, I'm going to, and then he got stuck and he kept saying, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to over and over and over again until we were both just dying from laughing because, you know, we were, I mean, we'd, we'd probably been, you know, pulled two all-nighters and had been working on this project forever. Clearly, we had planned ahead and had expected to do that as opposed to doing the work when it was due. Right. But anyways, that, right. that's what one of the shows reminded me of recently. That's awesome. Yeah, I, mean, I kind of want to listen to the each of the full episodes again just one more time just because I've forgotten it. It was just a lot of fun. I hope people will listen to it. I wanted to ask you, so the, the one thing that kind of hit my radar this week, this whole controversy needless controversy over whether Muppets are sexual. <laughs> right. Bert Nerdy. I heard yes. about this. Yeah. I think it was a writer or something. There was, was being interviewed. It was so yep. he was being interviewed and he said that he, you know, just he was like, I don't didn't have any kind of agenda there. It's just when I was writing Bert and Ernie, they were a gay couple. And he yeah. said that, uh, you know, he just didn't have any other way to contextualize them. And so, I, and then apparently just everybody went crazy and Sesame Workshop, I guess, weighed in and said, no, 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 no. As we've always said, Bert and Ernie are best friends, blah, blah, blah. And I got well, to thinking- they said they're Muppets. They have no sexuality. Yeah. And so people started debating, well, is that true? And and when I was thinking about it, I thought, okay, I don't see Grover or Beaker or Scooter getting many dates. <laughs> but if you're going to say that Muppets aren't sexual, somebody better tell Miss Piggy, because I don't think she got the memo. <laughs> Girlfriends had the hots for Kermy Wormy for like, what, a couple decades now? Oh. God, at least, at least probably going on 50 years at this point. Right. So anyway, I just thought that was funny. I thought it was interesting because and this, this is one of those scenarios where, you know, 
probably Jim Hansen had no intention of making, you know, these, these Muppets at all sexual, right. uh, you know, I mean, yes, they inevitably, you know, this was kind of a boy puppet and that was kind of a girl puppet or whatever. And so there was kind of a gender that was in, in involved there. Uh, but apparently uh, I read this article as well. And in the, what the writer was saying is uh, he was in a, in, in, in a relationship and, you know, he was picturing his gay partner. And that's, you know, a lot of the writing that he had done for Bert and Ernie was, you know, kind of that that interplay between him and his partner, which I think is kind of cool. It adds some depth to it. Uh, but I, I, I don't think that's enough to say, you know, oh, well, you know, the whole thing is just that. I mean, uh, I don't know. At the end of the day, look, it's a kid's thing. It wasn't supposed to be making a political statement. Uh, let's just let it not make a political statement. You I'm know what I mean? I'm with you on that. And Kermie will be glad to hear that too. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kermie's still running for Mrs. Piggy. Yeah. So, well, it's not easy being green. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So when we come back, it is going to be time for the good, the bad, and the marketing. So stay tuned. Hey, Rick and Rick Nation. Don't forget to check out our website at rickandrick.com. It's double the Rick in just one click at rickandrick.com. <laughs> All right, we are back. Welcome back to Rick and Rick Rule the World. And it is time for the good, the bad, and the marketing. Uh, one big story this week, this kind of thing ticks me off. So, so Procter & Gamble is attempting to trademark many of the acronyms that you see in internet communications, like FOMO, F-O-M-O, for fear of missing out, TLDR, too long to read, WTF, and FML, which is interesting. So my understanding is that they are being asked by the U.S. Patent Office to actually clarify what LOL will mean in their trademark application, but somehow didn't ask what WTF is or FML, and I'm not going to say it uh, on the show today. You can look it up if you're not familiar with that particular acronym. This kind of thing really ticks me off when brands try to appropriate and own, literally trademark and lock down expressions that are used in popular conversation. This is one of those ones where, in my opinion, they're doing this for a publicity stunt because there's no way this one hold, would hold up. Um, right. So the only way that that would work is if they could prove that there wasn't somebody who had used it before them. And we already know that like the, these terms have been so widely used that people could show, you know, case after case after case of something that has been has been used. And so this wouldn't hold up. Nobody, nobody could enforce these. Yeah. I mean, it is similar to, if you think about it, the phrase, just do it. It's obviously used by everyone forever, but because Nike was able to very quickly associate that phrase with its shoes, now it would be infringement against the brand if another brand used just do it. And I think they're attempting to do something like that. Still think it's lame. And for all we know, it could be that they're going to have fun with those acronyms and make them mean something else. I have to believe that because how are you going to use FML? I mean, you're not going to be able to use that, you know, or AF. I don't know if that's in the mix of ones that they have applied for, but yeah, definitely not something that you can just throw around in most consumer packaged goods advertising. So we'll, we'll see how that all plays out. Yeah, I, I don't know. But I, again, I just think, I think this might be just a publicity stunt. This is kind of like, I don't know, renaming your restaurant International House of Burgers. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's not something that they really did. It's something that they, uh, that they did just for attention. Also, this story about Banksy, the artist known as Banksy, who had a big sale at auction. To tell listeners about that. Yeah, I think this, uh, this, this article actually hit about the middle of the month, middle of October. It was, uh, it was absolutely fascinating. I, I love Banksy's work. I, yeah. I've always 
thought it was really cool. Uh, would love to, to hang one up in the house or maybe even paint one on my own wall. Um, and, and, you know, he's always had uh, a knack for taking things that are of high political value, but uh, projecting them in a way that is really approachable and makes you think and is really interesting, right? You know, the little girl handing a flower to the soldier, that sort of thing. Or, you know, the guy that looks like he's going to throw a grenade, but it's a bouquet of flowers. So he's always had these, these, uh, these cool metaphors that he's worked with then. And so uh, he decided, I guess, to auction off one of his, uh, his pieces of art. And I think it was, I'm, I'm not positive, I think it was Sotheby or somebody like that was actually doing the auction. And it's sold for one million pounds, right? So it's this, uh, this framed piece of art, it's a little girl with a balloon, it was heart-shaped, it was, it was very cool. And, and just as the auction ended, and, and just as you know, they, they go to probably take it off the stage or whatever, uh, apparently, uh, built into the frame was a shredder. Right. And so all of a sudden, this million pound, I mean, I don't know what that is. That's got to be what, one and a quarter, one and a half million US dollars. This, this, this uh, piece of art shreds halfway down. <laughs> and you're thinking, dang, is the guy thoroughly pissed off? Or now is yeah. this thing worth 10 million pounds? <laughs> exactly. And so, so Sotheby's is like, holy crap, we don't know what to do. Do we refund the person's money? I mean, I suppose they hadn't even taken the money at that point, but do we nullify the auction or does this make it more valuable? And so they went back and forth for like a week or so. And I guess the person who bought it said, you know what? I want it. I'll still pay the million for it. Yeah, so the they, shred, the shredded it. pieces are dangling from it, correct? Correct. It only shredded halfway down. It didn't actually go all the way. That is so funny. Now, do you know, did they know if it was remote controlled or was it set to some timer? You know, I've heard all kinds of stuff. I haven't seen, you know, a, an official response to it. It was built into the frame, which you would have thought somebody could have noticed that, but whatever. Uh, and, and you know, the first article I saw said, oh, it was probably remotely triggered, you know, a cell phone or something like that. Who knows? Who knows? Whatever it is, it's, it's, it's cool. It's genius. It's everything we've come to expect. Yeah, it didn't take long for marketers to jump in with their own versions of this. McDonald's did takes on this, I believe at least one of them was on Instagram, where it showed the McDonald's kind of logo on a red background upside down, and then it proceeds to shred, and what it looks like is french fries are coming out of it. So you clearly see that it is a container of french fries done in the Banksy style. But uh, I thought that was brilliant to come up with that so quickly and, and to use it that way. It got far more buzz than the cost of putting it on Instagram. Absolutely, I thought that was I thought that was clever, and how quickly they responded was amazing. Yeah. Although Bainsky probably doesn't like it. That's <laughs> 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 yeah. the kind of thing That's he rages against. There's a new study out from YouGov that finds that 59% of U.S. consumers would rather buy from brands that take sides on national issues. You know, we saw Taylor Swift come out and give a, an official endorsement for this upcoming midterm election, for instance, and uh, it got a lot of interest from folks. So I don't know, we're looking at a, a kind of a change here because people used to get in trouble for this stuff. You know, here, here's the, I agree, by the way, that last part is so important. You know, it used to be that, um, companies would stay away from this sort of thing because they didn't want to polarize. And, you know, when you polarize, 
you cut out 50% of the audience, right. right? And so honestly, it still makes sense not to, to do this. Yeah. It absolutely makes sense not to do this. The, the, the problem is, is uh, you've got a few companies whose products are so strong that even if somebody gets pissed off at the company, uh, you're not gonna not buy their products, right. right? There's only one company who makes an iPhone, as an right. example. Right, and or so, Nike, for instance, with Colin Kaepernick and that whole series, it alienated a lot of consumers, but sales went up dramatically. I and mean, you think about it, that is an example of a brand that can get away with that kind of thing because its audience probably is not, you know, it will skew younger, so it's probably right. safe to bet where their politics are. And so it was probably not as much of a risk as people thought, and it could have turned into boycotts. I'm sure it has, but uh, apparently sales are up dramatically for them. Well, that was an initial burst. Let's see how it, it goes for the long term. Because yeah. I, again, if you if you choose a polarizing topic, you may end up alienating half of the audience, right? Yeah. I mean, if we look at the votes uh, for the, the last election, you know, the last uh, presidential election, it wasn't 50-50, but it wasn't far off of it. Right. And so you end up in a scenario where you might piss off uh, a lot of your buyers and you yep. got to be careful with that. Yep. And I, I saw, I saw somebody today, I, we, we stay away from politics for the most part, but, uh, and this isn't going too deep into it, yeah. but I saw a, a good friend today who posted something about, you know, get out there, vote. We can't let the, you know, this election be like the last one and da, 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 da. And I thought, man, you're taking a risk here because we we know that a lot of people don't see the same as each other right now. This right. is a time where we're so polarized, right? You know, and on both sides of the arguments that by telling people get out there and vote, you may be actually, you know, asking for the wrong thing. You may get the people out there voting against you. Be careful and what you aim for. Exactly, though. exactly. So another story out this week, Mattel's Barbie is championing awareness of the dream gap, which is the split that comes between girls and their full potential. So apparently they've got a new campaign that will help fund or promote the end of the dream gap for children. And what's interesting is they do have some interesting spots. They've got videos and uh, you know with sort of interesting factoids like young girls are three times less likely to be given a science-related toy or that parents are twice as likely to Google search is my son gifted than they are, is my daughter gifted? And they're working with universities to, uh, I think it's a New York University and Princeton and at least one other to promote a different way of you know, thinking about what, what we should expose girls to in terms of learning and what our expectations should be so that there isn't a gender gap there. I think it's a great idea. I, if anything, it would be like, you know, hey, better late than never. It seems like Barbie and Mattel should have launched this kind of thing years ago, but Kudos for them to doing it now. It feels a lot like Dove's campaign for real beauty from Unilever and uh, oh, the, the Like a Girl campaign, especially from P&G's Always brand. And not only is this stuff good corporate citizenship, and this is frankly a societal issue that I feel good about a brand taking. It is just a societal issue that we need to tackle. And it's also great brand building. Dove and Always, uh, they've seen sizable increases in sales. I know from Dove, I mean, double-digit growth in a lot of markets around the world. No, I, I I love this. I You and I talked a while ago about a Netflix series called uh, The Toys That Made Us, and one of the toys that they focus on actually was the Barbie. Mm -hmm. I thought that episode was really, really powerful. It was interesting 
to see how the company had Mattel had matured through the years. Yeah. Uh, and, and they started bringing out things like, uh, you know, scientist Barbie dolls and things right. like that. Astronaut Barbie and others. Exactly. Right? You know, and, the, and the, the diversity where they started bringing out, you know, uh, different ethnic backgrounds. And I just, I, it's cool to see them continue that evolution. I think this is a powerful project for them to work on. Good job, Barbie. When we come back, it is time for loaded questions. So stay tuned. It's double the Rick in just one click at rickandrick.com. All right, we are back with Rick and Rick Rule the World, and it is time for Rick and Rick Loaded Questions. So you can play at home. Rick Wooten will be playing in studio, and let's see how well everybody does here. First up, White Castle (laughs) VP of Marketing Kim Bartley recently admitted to which of the following? So White Castle VP of Marketing recently admitted to which of the following? A, preferring Big Macs to sliders. Bad news. B, spending a night binging on a White Castle pack of waffle sliders, fish nibblers, and beer, which would be pretty gross, come to think of it. (laughs) C, spending a year as a vegetarian. Or D, spending too much on a new Maserati. Which do you think? I have have no idea. Uh, let's do the binge one, the one that ate the sliders or waffles or whatever it was. Yeah, that, that's B, spending a night binging on a White Castle pack of waffle sliders. I think there's like seven sliders in those. Fish nibblers, which just sounds gross, and beer. Unfortunately, that is not the answer. The answer was C. So according to Adage, Chief Marketing Officer and VP of Marketing, Kim Bartley admitted to recently spending a year as a vegetarian after White Castle's failed attempt to add salads. And, and, and apparently uh, they also tried a veggie slider, which really didn't do that well either. But it did help pave the way, apparently, for a far more successful offering called Impossible Slider, which is made of a meat-like substance that's meat-free. So right. it's surprising to have a White Castle VP of marketing go vegetarian for a year. Pretty big of her to admit it. Yeah, absolutely. They're really are pushing these impossible sliders. My kids and I actually drove up to San Francisco. Oh, this must have been six months ago, maybe nine. Oh, let's see. Yeah, it was probably about six months ago. And there was a place in San Francisco serving the Impossible Burger. We, we decided, you know what? We hear this thing tastes like, uh, like beef. You know, we want to go try it. We drove all the way up there and they were sold out. Oh, <laughs> so we're, we're quite disappointed. So I still haven't tried the Impossible Burger. I want to go find somewhere that has them and get there when they still have them in stock. Question number two, last seen during the Super Bowl, this CPG brand campaign has made a return visit to the NFL during Thursday night football recently. A, Pringles Stackers Wow, which we remember well from our big Super Bowl episodes. B, Tide, it's a Tide commercial. C, Mr. Clean's Clean AF, just kidding. Or D, Hefty's Cray Cray Party Moms Get Turnt. Which of these has come back to the NFL? I, I think with the Mr. Clean one, you're supposed to say Mr. Clean, Clean AF, uh, TM. I'm going to go Pringles. I've seen a Pringles commercial after, uh, on a football game, so I think that's it. Oh, well, interesting, because I could be wrong then. The answer here was B, Tide. It's a Tide commercial is returning for Thursday Night Football, but it's possible if you've seen it that Pringles already had the wow campaign out there. I'm going to give you that one. All right. All right, question number three. This Halloween, U.S. consumers are expected to A, 
tune in for the 29th edition of the Simpsons Halloween Treehouse of Horror. B, tune in for the 30th edition of the Simpsons Halloween Treehouse of Horror. C, spend $3.2 billion on Halloween costumes led by one princesses, two superheroes in general, three Batman characters in particular, and four Star Wars characters. Or D, spend nearly $2.6 billion on delicacies like Snickers, Reese's, M&M's, and Coffee Makes Me Poop Gum. E, all of the above except B, or F, all of the above except for D. Which of these are consumers expected to I'm going to say all of the above except for D. Oh, so close. No. So the correct answer is E, all of the above except for B. So technicality here. Oh, right. It stands to reason that this is the 30th edition of the Simpsons Halloween Treehouse of Horror, but it is not. They started that one year into the show. So it's the 29th edition this year. In addition to that, according to the National Retail Federation, U.S. consumers will spend $3.2 billion on Halloween costumes led by superheroes generically, Batman characters specifically, and Star Wars characters chiastically. (laughs) Um... Plus, they will spend $2.6 billion, which I feel like I've already spent, and it's not even Halloween, on candy, including Snickers, Reese's, M&M's, and such novelty candies. These are real candies, like coffee makes me poop gum, bacon and cheese flavored (laughs) crickets, and more. So in all, consumers will spend $9 billion on Halloween crap this year. Wow, that's incredible. Question four out of five here. Question four. According to a recent Adweek article entitled How Mr. Rogers Taught Me Everything I Need to Know About Marketing, which, by the way, is about a career in marketing and not the actual act of marketing, which of the following is not one of those principles? A, be inclusive of ideas, differences of opinion, and ways to get things done. B, learn to apologize for hurt feelings, misunderstandings, and problems requiring remediation. C, learn to apologize for your stupid ideas. D, (laughs) learn to apologize for your stupid ideas, especially that one you had last week. Or E, both C and D, but probably not A and B. Which of these... Which of these were not part of the thing that Adweek said Mr. Rogers taught? Uh, definitely. Uh, D, D was the one that was C and uh, so E, which was not C and D. Yes, it, the answer is E, both C and D, but definitely not A and B. So this article included such Mr. Rogers-inspired advice, such as... Uh, be inclusive of ideas, differences of opinion, and the way to get things done. Learn to apologize for hurt feelings, misunderstandings, and problems requiring remediation, as well as don't ever be afraid to admit you don't know, be kind, and more. Well, you know, you're doing actually pretty darn great this edition of Loaded Questions. I have a feeling you're going to nail number five here as well. According to Marketing Land, a new consumer gadget called Portal is which of the following? A, a new video chat device from Facebook. B, the second sign of the apocalypse. C, a new video chat device from Facebook that uses artificial intelligence to react to callers' movements by automatically panning in and zooming out and adjusting sound levels appropriately. D, a new chat device from Facebook that uses Amazon Alexa, thereby positioning the device as a competitor to Google Home and Apple's HomePod, E, A, C, and D, or F, A, C, D, and B, depending on your point of view. So uh, for sure, B was no. Uh, So A and C were correct. I didn't know that D was correct, but, uh, you know, if those are my options, that must mean that it does use Alexa. I didn't realize it did. 
So you are actually choosing E, A, C, and D? Yes. And you are correct. Yes. So Portal, and I guess there's another device, Portal Plus, uh, coming out a little bit later. There are these new video chat devices from Facebook that could transform chat and even social media by bringing it into the living room. Or it's this year's version of the Facebook phone that took the nation by storm. It does use AI to react to caller's movements by automatically panning in and zooming out and adjusting sound levels based, I guess, on how you know what the, the person is doing, which I think sounds pretty cool. And it does use Amazon Alexa, thereby positioning the devices as competitors to Google Home and Apple's HomePod. And given the fun that we've all had with Cambridge Analytica and other incidents in recent times, it could very well be also be the second sign of the apocalypse, depending on your point of view. So technically the answer is F, but I am going to give you the, the score because in the main, correct. So good job this episode. Wow, you're on top of things. Yeah, yeah. I, I missed one hardcore for sure. Yeah. I think two, actually. You know, th this kind of thing's interesting. I uh, If you if you flash back to the 70s, the worst thing that, that could possibly happen was the government would put all kinds of cameras and microphones in our homes and everybody was afraid of it. Now and now we do it for them. them. Yeah. That's right. And in fact, we're, we, we have a new device that will follow us around the house and always have a view of what we're doing. So be careful when you go out and, you know, get a drink of milk in the middle of the night, you know, it may catch you in your skivvies in the kitchen. <laughs> Actually, that part I wouldn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> Totally joking. I think that actually is going to wrap it up on this episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World. Thanks so much to Rick Wooden. And thank you, everybody, for listening here in our season two of Rick and Rick Rule the World. Please tune in next time for the one show where everybody's name is Rick and everybody rules the world. Thanks so much, everyone.